Proverbs chapter 1, 1 through 10, we have been in a series called Foolish, and I want to continue into that today. Uh, let's go ahead and start with verse 1. It says, the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, the king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, and equity, to give prudence to the simple and to the young man knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and increase learning, and a man of understanding will attain wise counsel to understand a proverb and an enigma. But the words of the wise, the words of the wise and their riddles, but the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. My son, hear the instruction of your father, and do not forsake the law of your mother, for they will be a graceful ornament around your head and chains about your neck. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. Let's start there. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this time this morning, Lord God, and I just pray as we get into the scriptures, as we, as we teach on wisdom, as we teach how to come up out of foolish thinking and foolish lifestyles, that you would, would, would come from heaven, that you would speak from heaven and impart life and, and give us a greater understanding about how to change our lives to be more productive, more fruitful, and blessed by you. We ask right now that every hindering spirit would be bound in this place, would be cast out of this place, anything that would hinder the hearing of the people. We just pray right now that those things would be silenced and that your word can come through, Father, and received by your people. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. We've been talking about being foolish. We've been talking about uh, how all of us come from a place of a fallen world, a fallen society. We're given to human wisdom, which seems right until we come in contact with God's wisdom. And that's why Romans tells us this, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And once the mind begins to be renewed, then the transformation in our lives will follow. I don't know what somebody told you, but when you came to the altar and you gave your life to Jesus, that was not an end-all, fix-all solution. The Bible is very clear that that is the beginning point. The place of repentance is the beginning point. But after that, we have to take on the task of changing our thinking. And if we don't change our thinking, transformation doesn't begin. What just begins to happen is the fool you wore out in the streets, now you're the same fool sitting in church. Oh, come on, somebody. Can I get an amen on that? You was a fool out there, but now you're just a fool in here on Sundays from 10 to 12. And if we look at your life, what we see is there's no change. Your marriage is just like the fools out there. Your kids are just as crazy as kids that ain't raised in church. Your finances are just as messed up as people that don't come to the house of God. And, we, and then we say things like this, well, I tried church, but it didn't work. Don't say that. Because God and his house will always work if you will do your part in the journey of renewing your mind. So every day, I, I, every week I prepare to come up here. My task is this. 
give you God's word so it could challenge your thinking. And now you can have a new direction in your thought life. So what happens when we come to church, we should be learning the ways of the kingdom. When Jesus walked the earth, what did he teach? He didn't teach about how to get to heaven. He brought that up. He hit on that from time to time. But do you know what his main message was in the earth? His main message was the kingdom. His task was to come and tell us how God does things, how heaven works, what are the new rules of this family that you're a part of. And so we have to take on that task as believers to say, okay, I choose to follow Jesus. What do I do? What do I need to change? Because here's the problem. We come to church and we're still living like we did before we came to Christ. And then we wonder why nothing's getting better. And then we look towards heaven and we go, God, where are you? God's saying, I'm right here. I'm speaking to you every Sunday. But you're not learning. And the Bible just says, we read there in Proverbs, that we're supposed to be increasing in understanding Okay, he said to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom. Because it's wisdom that takes us from foolish thinking and foolish living and translates us into the kingdom of God where we can receive blessing. Can I get an amen? Now, I've read to you last week that the Bible says that to the fool, the wisdom of God is foolishness. Like, to the fool, it don't make sense that I'm going to be more blessed living on 90% than I am living on 100% and giving God the tithe. See, a fool looks at that and says, that's a scam. That don't make no kind of sense. That's funny math right there. Because a fool can't receive the wisdom of God. But when we come into the, the kingdom of God, and here it is right here, and we submit to his ways, Because his ways are higher than our ways. It's that act of submitting and saying, God, I don't fully get it. But because your word says it, I'm going to do it. That settles it. That's when we begin to receive and see the kingdom of God in our lives. Am I getting too deep for y'all on a Sunday this morning? So I want to teach you this morning. I want to help you because, see, some of us are living in fairy tale Christianity that all you had to do was say a prayer and you're good. Listen, positionally you're good, but life won't get better until you renew your mind. Positionally, you're going to heaven. Positionally, Jesus loves you no matter what. But if you want to experience what we all prayed in the Catholic Church, thy will be done. Come on, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You ain't never going to experience that without the renewing of the mind, which is the application of wisdom into our lives. Amen. So, so we start here, Proverbs chapter one. And I want to give you these things about what we just read there in Proverbs. The first thing about Proverbs chapter one that it talks about is this. Wisdom is the ability to discern difference. Remember, we talked about that last week. Wisdom is the ability to discern difference. Wisdom tells us what's right and what's wrong, what's good or bad, what's godly or ungodly. Sometimes it's not even dealing with sin. Wisdom will tell you, is this a good decision? Is this a bad decision? Amen? And sometimes when you make bad decisions, it's not always sin. It's just that you shouldn't have put your money in that investment. Amen? 
It's just that you shouldn't have did something. It doesn't make it good or bad. I mean, a, a sin or not sin. It's just wisdom could have kept you from a bad investment. Oh, you ain't hearing me today. Wisdom could have kept you from going out with that fool. Wisdom could have kept you from marrying that fool. Just look straight ahead right now. Just look straight ahead. I feel the secret amens right now. Amen, Pastor. You ain't never lied, Pastor. Just look straight ahead. But see, that's what wisdom will do. Wisdom will help you in those areas. So wisdom's the ability to discern difference. So the more of God's word and his wisdom you get, the wiser you become. You'll make better choices. Amen? You'll make better choices, okay? And so that's what we need wisdom for. The second thing we see there in Proverbs chapter 1 about wisdom is that fools despise wisdom. Fools despise wisdom. You've got to make a decision right now that you're coming up out of foolishness, okay? And the way you do that is to resign yourself that I'm going to learn to love wisdom. I'm going to pursue it. Yeah, pastor, but I hate reading. I know. I was there. I was there. I was, on, I was in that club. I was the president. I hated reading. I couldn't stand reading, man. You couldn't pay me to read. If you'd have gave me a job reading, I wouldn't have took it. So I can't do it. So you got the wrong dude. But did you know that when I got saved and I began to see that the life that I had needed to change, I knew that the changes that I needed to make were going to be found in me seeking out wisdom. So I began to read and read. I was a reading fool. My brother would tell you, man, we spent so much money on books. It was ridiculous. Like, we would get money for Christmas, and we'd be like, we'd pull it together. Hey, Vince, well, how much you get? Oh, I got this. And we'd go to a conference, and we would drop several hundred dollars on books. And we was, we was good at it, because then we had our friend Troy. I'd say, Troy, come on over here. Okay, you get that book. I'm going to get this book. And then when you're done with that book, I'll get it. And then, you see what I'm saying? And we just began to hunger. I mean, it was like we was collecting baseball cards, you know? Oh, I got this person's. Well, I got this Oral Roberts book. Oh, I got that. And, and we just began to hunger and thirst after uh, wisdom and pursue it. And that is how God changed my life. It's, it, it changed everything. It took me from just a, a, a dude running these streets out here in South Sacramento just to a pastor that's gone all over the world. It wasn't just God just hit me with a lightning bolt and everything changed. No, I made a decision. I want to change. And once I did that, wisdom came in. And here's what I had to do. I had to make a choice to come out of my foolishness. And some of us in here need to do that today because as a fool, you'll always despise wisdom. You'll always despise wisdom. And you can come to church and still be a fool. Let me say that again. You could come to church and still be a fool. And some of you know that because you know some folks that you would consider a fool, but just keep looking straight ahead. Amen. Because what is foolishness? Foolishness is simply, is simply despising the wisdom of God. And see, this is what I'm talking about. Some of us know the right thing to do. You just won't do it. That's foolishness. You know you shouldn't be sleeping with your girlfriend, but you keep doing it. Well, I got real quiet. I hear crickets. See, what is that? And please don't make me try. Don't, I'm, I'm not one of these guys that gets up and preaches against sin every Sunday. I don't do that because I believe people know they're already jacked up. Why do you need to hear it from me? Amen? It don't make no sense to tell you how bad you are. You know. So you won't, you won't come to this church and be hearing me railing on sin and you're going to hell. You don't need that. Guess we know when we're screwed up. Amen? We know when we're messed up. Why do you need a preacher to tell you that? Amen. 
But that's not why I'm saying these things. I'm giving you example, an example because some of you don't know you're a fool. And it's foolishness to know that you know the right thing but choose not to do it. You're despising the wisdom of God. You know you shouldn't treat your husband that way. You know it's in the scriptures to honor that man. You know he's the head of the household, but you continue to tear him down. You're a fool. You continue to talk to him like he's your son instead of your husband. You're a fool. You know it. You already know it, but you choose to despise the wisdom of God. That's foolishness. You got to come up out of that. Tell your neighbor right now, he's preaching good. I'm trying to encourage myself because y'all just looking at me today. That's all right. That's all right. So, so fools despise wisdom. We can't be like that. We've got to run to it. That's why every church service I sat in from that point on, I would take a pencil, take a pen. I had a journal. I, if you go in my library, you will see journals from stuff I wrote when I was 20 years old sitting in a church hearing the preacher. Because it, well, I knew that I don't want to just hear these words. I want to learn these words and apply these words. It's not enough to hear a good message. Listen, if it was enough to hear good messages, the world would have been changed right now. Amen? The world would be changed right now. There's cats all over the Internet preaching better than me. There's, you could go online today and stream some of the biggest churches in the U.S. right now. You got no excuses. But you know what? Just simply hearing it ain't going to do it. It's not until we apply the wisdom of God. But first, we got to get from a place of despising it. We got to start there. And the third thing I want you to see there from Proverbs chapter one is this. I believe wisdom is designed to come from the home. Wisdom is designed to come from the home. And I get that because the Bible says here, uh, he writes here, my son, hear the instruction of your father and do not forsake the law of your mother. That's interesting language right there that he's talking about the wisdom of God. And he goes to that standpoint. Because I believe the vehicle that God has given to release his wisdom into the earth is the family. But how many can see we've got a problem if that's God's vehicle? Because the, pro- the family right now is in a lot of turmoil in America today. The family structure that God set up, it's under attack. The family structure that God put in place to impart wisdom to our children is busted and broken. And sometimes you've got to begin to look at that and go, okay, I don't want that model. I want what God intended. So the Bible says wisdom is designed to come from your home life. This is a problem if the home life is not in order. It's a problem. So we're going to raise little mijitos and little mijitas. They ain't got no sense. They ain't got no wisdom of God inside of them. Basically, here it is. And no mom or no dad wants to do this. You raising fools. You're raising fools. If we try to establish homes outside of how God wanted them to be. Can I get a good strong amen on that? Well, it's a weak amen, but I'll take it, okay? Because understand, track with me now. Here we are in society that has, is trying to change what the definition of a family is. Okay? It's trying to change that. And I'm not going to get into a political rhetoric with you and argue your beliefs. I'm just telling you what God intended for it to be. He intended for one man to marry one woman and to raise kids in that environment. Why is that important? Because the marriage is a covenant relationship. The marriage is to be a relationship where you love unconditionally, where you love each other no matter what. 
And unconditional love means you stick through it. Now, listen, I'm not talking about abuse. Abuse is removed from the situation. If you got somebody putting hands on you, run from that fool. Get out of that thing. If you got somebody that's hurting you physically, is abusing you emotionally, I'm not speaking into that. That's not what I'm talking about here. Because you've just eliminated yourself from being able to be yoked with somebody else. Can I get a good strong amen on that? Because we got abusers that want to say, you, need to, you can't leave me. We're married and we don't believe in. Well, quit beating her then. You want to be treated like a husband, you have to act like it. Can I get an amen on that? Am I getting too real on a Sunday? Am I getting too real on a Sunday? But I'm trying to help some people right now. Because it might not be you, but it might be the person three rows away from you that needs to hear this. But see, a marriage covenant should be the place where wisdom is released. But right now, we've got people resigned to living in homes not the way God designed it. And I'm not talking about the world. The world can do what they want. But when you say, I'm going to follow you, Jesus, you resign yourself to his ways and his wisdom. So it doesn't make sense to be a Christian and live with a woman that is not your wife. See, now, don't take it in a way like I'm judging you or anything like that. that is not, that's not what I'm doing right now. Judging you would be sitting here going, you're going to hell because you're doing that. No, I'm not doing that. But I'm trying to help the folks that I love to see when you make a decision to set up a home outside of how God has set it up, you are removing yourself from his wisdom. Do you think your home is going to be filled with wisdom? No, it will not. Because you're despising the wisdom of God. Oh, well, pastor, are you saying I just got to marry her? No, absolutely not. If you ain't feeling to marry that person, don't marry him. Just don't live with him. Oh, but pastor, you know, we saving money. God over money. I'll tell your neighbor God over money. Don't make me get into a rap right up here. I'll maybe just bust some bizzle on you right here. Listen, it's despising the wisdom of God that we got to quit doing as, as believers. Are you tracking with me today? So that's what Proverbs chapter 1 talks about. Now let's go to Psalms chapter 1, 1 through 3. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season and whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. You need to underline that scripture. You need to call your tattoo artist, and you need to make an appointment to get that somewhere on you right there. No, no, don't do that. Some of y'all was ready. Amen, pastor said. But I tell you what, I say that in this regard. That's a good scripture for you. That's a reminder for you. I'm blessed. There is a way everything I do will prosper. There's a way. There's a, that is a possible life for you and I. But here's the key. I can't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. If I separate myself from the world's wisdom, I can literally enter a life where nothing I do, do fails. Are you tracking? Are you seeing that in the scriptures? I'm not saying that. That's a promise right there. But here is the key. I got to not walk with the counsel of the ungodly. And this is the greatest battle that as a pastor, I'm trying to convince you of breaking your allegiance with foolish thinking. 
because I got all these TV shows. I got every artist out there telling you it's okay to do certain things that go against God's word. And then I'm the bad guy declaring there is a standard. There is a standard. We are not to be sleeping with people before we're married. There is a standard. There is a standard. And when, I, when a preacher gets up and does that, oh, well, you know, he, he ain't cool. He ain't relevant. He ain't this. He ain't that. Listen, I'm just trying to help the people I love. I'm just trying to bring wisdom to you so you could live a successful life. Are you tracking with me today? And I'm reading you a scripture right now that says, if you don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly, if you quit standing in the path of the sinners, if you quit sitting in the seat of the scornful and delight yourself in the Lord, you can have a life where nothing you do fails. That's what it says. I know it sounds almost too good to be true, but that's what it says. You can read it on your own. I'm I'm taking you through the Bible because I want you to know I'm not giving you my wisdom. I'm just giving you the wisdom of God. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its path leads to destruction. That's what the Bible says. But the path of God won't lead you to destruction. You're just going to have to make some choices. Look at your other neighbor that you ignored earlier and say choices. If he wasn't paying attention, he's probably going, what, what, what? So we've got choices here. Bless the man is, that doesn't walk in the counsel of the God. So that's the battle right now. Because you've been living a certain way for so long. You might have been raised in a home all your life that didn't operate in the principles of God. You, you, and now you're in the kingdom and you're seeing this stuff. Now you have a choice to make. Am I going to continue in the foolish thinking that I was raised in, that I was brought up in, that everybody I know is in? Or am I going to choose a way that seems awkward, foreign, but yet will lead to a life that I want, the blessed life? Amen? So what the Word of God is going to do, it's going to show you the error of our ways. You know what it shows me, and it's been showing me this now for over 25 years? I need to change. There's things I need to change. Now, praise God, after 25 years, I'm not the same dude I was when I started this journey. You know, I praise God for that. But it's because I want to follow Christ. And in doing that, I got to let go of some of them things that I, I, everybody else thinks is okay. Everybody else might think it's okay, but if the word of God says it's not, then it ain't for me. Can I get an amen? Let's keep going. Now, Psalms 14, 1 through 2, it says this. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none who does good. And the Lord looks down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there are any who understand or who seek God. So the Bible is clear right here that the fool says in his heart, there's no God. Now, here's the thing. We're all in church today. You would almost think this doesn't apply to us because y'all understand there's a God. That's why you came to his house. That's why you come to church to hear his word. So it would seem like this doesn't apply to us, but I'm going to tell you something. I beg to differ. We're not out of, all the way out of the woods of that applying to our life. A fool says in his heart, there is no God. In his heart, he says that. Now look at Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. The heart's a very important part of your walk with God. It says this, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. The heart represents the essence of who you are. It's very possible 
that in your heart you could be saying there's no God, even though you're here in the house of God, you pray, you do your devotionals and all those things. Oh, pastor, you're confusing me. How do you say that? Track with me here. Even though you say you believe God, maybe your actions, your works say otherwise. Did you know your actions and your works speak louder than what you say you believe? Your actions many times, there's some Christians, the way they live, it seems godless. Their actions say more that they don't believe in God than their church attendance. Ooh, I'm getting real, real right now. Church attendance isn't what God is looking for. Church attendance is good. It's where you get wisdom. It's where you connect with others in the body. It's a good thing. But did you know there's more than that that God is interested in? He's interested in your heart. And a fool says in his heart, there's no God. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Look at Matthew chapter 15. Look Look what Jesus said. He said, but those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and they defile a man. For out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, murders, adultery, fornication, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are all the things which defile a man. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man. That's a whole other thing there. But look what Jesus is trying to get you to see. What's in your heart produces the life you have. What's in your heart? What's in your heart? Let's keep keep reading here. So, So many believers, let me get to my point here, what I'm talking about, live like fools. And although you would never say it with your mouth that there's no God, yet you live like there's no God. You never say it, but you live like there is no God looking down into your life. You're looking, you're you're living like there's no word that tells you otherwise. That's a problem, my brothers and sisters. And that is the mark of a fool. It's foolish to call yourself a follower of Christ and yet not get into his word and make an attempt to live and follow his ways. It's foolish. I ask you this, not what do you believe, but what does your lifestyle say you believe? It's not about what you say with your mouth. Oh, I'm a Christian. It's not about where you spend two hours on Sunday. It's about what your lifestyle says. And for many people that go to church, their lifestyle says there is no God. How many would agree with me this morning? It's true. That's why the world says we're hypocrites, because even they see it. That's why the world got got some issues with us, because even they see it. We don't see it. We're drinking the Kool-Aid. But what I want you to see today is it's foolish. What does your lifestyle say? If you're continuing to live like everybody in your office that don't know God, if you're continuing to go to high school, yet you come to the Rise Movement every other Friday, and you come to youth, and you put your hands up, but yet when you're at your high school, you act crazy? You're less than at all the girls. You're on internet porn, just like every other 16, 17-year-old boy your age, and you laugh about it, and you're cool with it. What does your lifestyle say? Let me tell you what it says. It says there's no God. Oh, I'm getting real home. I'm bringing it home today. Because, see, we're fools when we think that just because we've made a confession 
that it's all good. It's all done. I'm in the kingdom. Yes, you're in the kingdom, but you got to be transformed. And the way we get transformed is through the wisdom of God. Are you tracking with me today? So the fool says in his heart, there's no God. What does your lifestyle say? Some of y'all's lifestyle says there is a God. Some of y'all's lifestyle, because you won't, you refuse to give yourself to somebody for cheap sex, because you refuse to dress like everybody else, because it compromises your beliefs, because you've taken a stand. I won't cheat at work. I'm not going to leave early and come in late and steal time, because you've made a decision to honor God's word. You know what your lifestyle says? There is a God. Every woman that gets out there and says, all men are dogs, all they got to do is spend some time with me, and they'll see, oh, all men are not dogs. There's some gentlemen out there. Can I get a good, strong amen? amen. All men are dogs. Come to the men's barbecue. You're going to see all men ain't dogs. Are you tracking with me? Can I get a strong amen from the men? But see, what tells them what you are is your lifestyle. And that's why we got to get away from this craziness out there that says I could do what I want to do. There's no standard. The grace of Jesus Christ covers me. No, my life has to give testimony that God is real. And so does yours. So here we got Christians coming to church. You cuss with your friends because it's cool. You go to high school. Hey, man, blank that. Blah, 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 blah. You, you, you rapping your favorite rapper and you're out there and he's over here saying the N-word and vulgar women and calling women bees. And you're over here in your car. A boom, pick up. A, yeah, yeah. You got a decision to make. What does your lifestyle say? Because we could excuse it all day long. But our lifestyle has to say there is a God. So some of you managing people at work, you cussing them out every day, doing them wrong. That's not a lifestyle that says there is a God. Mean to folks on your job, gossiping about people. A fool says in his heart, there is no God. The issues of life come out of the heart. So what, here's the deal. My actions reveal my heart. My actions reveal my heart. So if I'm a jerk, there's jerkiness in my heart. Amen? But we, you know what we like to do today? We like to give people points for intentions. We like, to, we like to give points out for, well, you know, that's not my heart. Listen, what is your heart is the actions you show. Jesus said it. Are you tracking with me today? So what does your lifestyle say? Let's take it home even a little bit more here. What does your Facebook say? A fool says in his heart, there is no God. Out of the heart come the issues of life. Facebook is a reflection of me. Instagram is a reflection of me. Snapchat is a reflection of me. Could I tell you even serve God by looking at your social media? Could I tell at all? Does it give any kind of testimony of your walk with God? A fool says in his heart, there is no God. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to turn everybody in here to one of them people on Facebook that posts a scripture every 10 minutes. Because I don't even like reading that stuff. And it's always got to be with some foofy sunset in the background and an eagle flying with a scripture. I don't like that stuff either. I'm not trying to get you on that train. I'm not. I'm really not. We've got enough of that. 
But I'm just saying, I'm just saying, we're trying so hard to be cool like the world. We're forgetting it's our uniqueness and it's in our following the wisdom of God that causes us to be an example and a light. And we're getting so tied up and I just want to show the, the world I'm down too. Okay. But show the world that you could be down and still follow the principles of God. Show the world you can be down but still not be a fool. What does your lifestyle say? What does your pro Facebook profile say? What does your me social media say? Some of you should go back through it. Look. Got married women, and you look at their Facebook message, uh, you look at their Instagram, you can't even tell they're married. I'm just going to let that marinate like some carne asada right over the top. If you're married, we should know looking at your social media. But maybe that's not the message you want to portray on social media. Well, come on, Pastor, you're getting too real now. You're making me mad. I feel a tomato spirit in here. Let's keep going. What does my home say? What does my home life say? Are you, are you guys tracking what I'm trying to put down today? A fool says in his heart, there is no God. Jesus says out of the heart come the issues of life. So if you look at the issues of my life, you will see, is there a God or is there not a God? You could say it all day. You could say, I'm a Christian. I'm a follower. of. I go to Elevate Life Church. But if you don't have certain aspects of this thing, you're never going to experience the kingdom of God in your life. So we've got to begin to take a stand. What does my home life say? Your home life should reflect what you believe. And here's the, here's the great thing. If you submit to the wisdom of God, you could fix any marriage. You could fix any marriage. I'm going to say that again. Thank you. You could fix any marriage if you submit to the wisdom of God. Are you tracking with me? But you know what it is? Some folks don't want to submit to the wisdom of God, but they want the marriage to get better. It ain't going to happen, baby. Call the divorce lawyer now because it ain't going to happen. Because the only way to fix certain things is through the wisdom of God, especially when it pertains to wisdom, uh, the, the home and marriage. Because the marriage in the home comes from God. Are you with me today? So what does your home look, life look like? What, is, what does that look like? And this is why, again, I, I, get to, I get to, it's like, if you're a Christian, listen, the guy you shacking up with, marry him or, or move out. Why? Because I would rather follow the wisdom of God and pay more money and do things right to get God working in my situation. Because here's what you're doing when you, when you refuse to follow the wisdom of God and you're just like, oh, you know, we just, we living together and you having sex and you doing this thing. Oh, pastor, that's old fashioned. No, it's not old fashioned. It's the wisdom of God that you don't sleep with somebody that's not your wife. Even Beyonce got to tell you, put a ring on it. Even she got to tell you that. See, but when you go with it anyway, you know what you're doing? There is no God. There is no God. If you believe there was, you'd submit to his ways. What does your home life say? What do your kids say? What does, it look, what does your home life look like? What does it give testimony to? Does it give testimony to your imperfections or does it give testimony to the God you believe in? Now, listen, nobody is going to have a perfect home. Nobody is going to have a perfect marriage. 
My marriage is far from perfect. Can I get a good strong amen from the woman in the front row? All right. But if you look at our marriage, you'll see God. It reflects God. Your dating relationship should reflect God. A fool says in his heart, there's no God. The last thing, what do your finances say? Did you know your finances give testimony of what you believe? And a fool says in his heart, there's no God. If you look at my finances, if you looked at my checkbook, you know what you would see every week? You would see a tithe given to the house of God. My finances give testimony that there is a God. Do yours? Maybe your, your finances testify that everything's always jacked up. We ain't never got enough money. We ain't never haven't had enough. Listen, I've been through hard times just like the rest of you. When we started this church, I had three jobs. I had to pull on that Mexican gene in my life. You know what I'm saying? I had to, God, I'm praying that thing in through. I summon that anointing right now. Work three jobs. Listen, I'm not talking about just having everything. I'm talking about allowing God to work in your finances, your home, your life. And then at the end of the day, even though everything's not perfect, you can see the reflection of God. Or do you see the voice saying there is no God? People, this is how we receive the transformed life. Let me give you a few more scriptures because I don't want you to think I'm giving you my opinion. You got to see this in the word. Look at Matthew 15, 7 and 9. Jesus said it like this. Hypocrites. It's got an explanation point. I'm not yelling at y'all. That's how he said it right there. Hypocrites. Well, did Isaiah prophesy about you saying these people draw near to me with their mouth. And they honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain, oh, they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You know what that's basically saying? It's saying there are folks in church. Your heart's far from me. There are folks in church. Your worship, it's in vain. This is Jesus preaching right here. I know, I know you think Jesus just taught nice little things. Love everybody. Have some fish and loaves. Now, his sermons were meaner than mine sometimes, y'all. Hypocrites! That's what he said. You draw near to me with your mouth, but you don't, and you honor me with your lips, but your heart's far from me. What are, remember, the heart is where the actions come from. It's where the actions come from. So we got to get rid of these excuses. What kind of home are you living in? And it's not, this ain't a judgmental message. This is trying to help the sheep. This is trying to help the family. Listen, I'm speaking to you as a father right now. If you're living with your boyfriend, fix that. Fix that. Because you know what it says? I don't, I, there is no God. That's what it says. If you're, if you're living in a way that is contrary to God's wisdom, fix that. But, but, But pastor, it's not wrong. It's not a right or wrong issue. See, you in that slave mentality that you just want to know what you can get away with. It's wisdom. It's wisdom. Wisdom is not a right or wrong thing all the time. It's just the right thing. Are you with me today? And when the heavenly father sets up the home and he says the home should be a certain way, it should be with a husband and a wife in this setting, and you choose to go, nah, I don't think so. 
I'm going to give myself to somebody that is not yet my husband. You've just chosen to walk outside of wisdom. Now, does God still love you? Yes. Do we still love you? Absolutely. But is it wise? No. Are there consequences to choosing outside of the wisdom of God? Yes. There are. So we've got to make sure we're not people that honor God with our mouth and honor God with our lips. We've got to make sure our heart's with God. And here's the other thing you need to do, moms and dads. Teach your kids wisdom. Teach your kids wisdom. You know what I had a lady tell me one time? She, she was having all her kids come over and smoke, get smoked up in their backyard. You know, she, I said, she was a Christian lady. And I said, what are you doing? Why do you allow your, your, bro, your, your son to bring all his buddies over and smoke weed in your backyard? She goes, oh, pastor, I know it's wrong, but I'd rather have him do that here in my home so that I know where that's at. Now, listen, that sounds like foolish wisdom to me. You can make sense of that. But you know what Joshua said? Come on, somebody. He said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So you're not bringing your crazy friends up here weeding up in my backyard. And you're not going with them to do that if you're going to live in this house. We got parents that are afraid to do that. We got parents moving folks in with them. We got folks, we got, we got, and, and, and in the name of love, but here it is, parents, it's your job to bring the wisdom of God in your home. It's not my job. You know why churches have to do it? Because the home is in such disarray. It's in disarray. And this is not a judgmental message as much as it is son, daughter. Submit yourself to the wisdom of God and see the blessing flow. Are you with me today? Come on, give Jesus a hand clap right now. You switched up on me. I was telling, I was telling Vinny, to, Vinny was about to go up too. That's good, Vinny. Thank you, man. Titus 1.16. It says this, they profess to know God, but in works they deny him. Being abominable. See, this is where we get the abominable snowman. No, 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 no. It says, <laughs> being abominable and disobedient and disqualified for every good work. They profess to know God. Titus 1.16. They profess to know God, but their works deny him. We got to get back to wisdom. And quit making it a, a can I do it and, and still be a Christian thing. You can. You're just still a fool. You can. You just won't get up into the wisdom and the blessings of the wisdom of God. Listen, he's either Lord of all or not at all. This is what it is. And it's time, teenagers, man. It's time you take a stand. It's time you take a stand. We got, we got some teenagers in the church, I'm talking about in America, that go to church. They're the worst gang members. It'd be like being a blood on Fridays and Saturdays and you equip the rest of the week. We got young people that leave church like that lifting hands, worshiping, but they go to school on Monday. They putting on another rag. We got real quiet up in this Baptist church today. Teenagers get mad at me right now, but listen, it's the same thing. A standard must be raised. A stand must be taken. We have a great cause to live for it. His name is Jesus. But 
Anybody that's ever led any movement will tell you there has to be a standard. There has to be a standard. And the standard has to be the wisdom of God. Let me show you another scripture, Proverbs 20, 11. Even a child is known by his deeds, whether what he does is pure and right. You know what it's saying? You can even tell from a child what, what he is doing is pure or right. But you know what we like to do? We like to give extra points. We like to give extra points. Well, they're in church every week, so all the other actions must be okay. It's not okay. It's not okay. Are you with me today? I want to see disciples raised up to where we silence that hypocrite argument that the world always throws at us. Because we have to get in pursuit of God's wisdom and we have to submit to it. Even a child is known by his deeds. So you know what that means? You're known by your deeds. There should be a difference in the way young people go to school that know and love God than the ones that don't even know God. There should be a difference in what you watch and what is on your Spotify than what's on somebody that doesn't. Are you with me today? Some of you are. There should be a difference in the way you date a girl or you date a boy than the group, than the people out there in the world do. Should be a difference in your marriage and in somebody that doesn't have, uh, isn't married. And the difference is this. We submit to the wisdom of God. Let me give you a few more. Matthew chapter 5, 14 through 16. Jesus, again, he says, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket. They put it on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Here it is. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good thoughts, good intentions. Does it say that? No, it says good works and glorify your Father in heaven. We got to get back to understanding there has to be a difference. We've got to live like the wise, not like fools. Let your light so shine before men that they may see how you live your life and it glorifies God the Father. 1 Peter 2, 11 and 12 says this, Beloved, I beg you. Wow, that's strong language. I beg you. As sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. You know what he's saying? He's saying if you live your life just right, you'll never have to preach to anybody. Your life preaches for you. Your Facebook will preach for you. Your relationship will preach for you. What you need to know is the life you have right now, it's already preaching. And you know what it's telling a lot of people? There is no God. Because even the believers can't get it together. Even the believers can't draw a standard. Even the believers' marriages aren't different. And so you know what the world looks at our reflections, our works? For many of us, it's not glorifying God. It's saying what the fool says. There is no God. We got to flip that. We got to change that. Even though we're not perfect and we'll never be perfect. I'm not preaching perfection. I'm simply preaching, reflecting what we believe with our actions by resigning ourselves to the wisdom of God. There's a reason why people won't, can't win anybody to Jesus. Because the Bible tells us this, a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Ask yourself this. When was the last time you 
as an individual have ever led anybody to Jesus? Ask yourself that right now. If it's been too long, you got to look in the mirror. If it's never happened, if you've never led somebody to the Lord, showed somebody how to walk with God, this may be because your life is not reflecting the wisdom of God. Now, I'm not saying you don't love God. I'm saying it's time that you demonstrate your love through giving yourself to the wisdom of God, resigning yourself that there is a God. He has a word. He has wisdom. He has instructions for me to follow. And when you give yourself to that, Psalms chapter 1 tells us, your leaf will not wither. You will bear fruit and you will be like a tree planted by the rivers of living water. Outcast said it best, you will be fresh and so clean, clean. Right? Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. The rest of y'all, what, what's, he, what's he saying? The book of Outcast? Stand on your feet right now. Stand on your feet. Stand on your feet. It's so important you hear my heart today, guys. I know, I know my church. I know, I know, I know the Bible says, know the state of your flocks that you pastor. This in no way has been an attack on anybody. This in no way has been a judgment call of saying, you're doing wrong, you're going to hell. It ain't even come out of my mouth. But listen, this is a call to wisdom. This is the same spirit I would use talking to my own son and saying, son, get off of that road and get on this one. I want you to just close your eyes for a moment because I want you to feel the Father's love for you right now. The Father is calling you to his voice. Some of us, as the Bible says in the New Testament, have been bewitched by the voice of foolish man's wisdom. We've been bewitched by the call for acceptance to fit in. And I just pray right now that the voice of the Father would be amplified in your life. Because the Father is not saying these things to poke at you, to single you out, to save you. The Father is also speaking these things, the elevating the wisdom of God, because there are some people that you'll never reach until you fix the issues of your life, the issues of your heart. And I call you to the altar of your heart today. Choose you this day whom you'll serve. As Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the yeah, sure, they'll say I'm foolish. They'll say I'm weird. They'll call me Jesus names. They'll get mad because I didn't, I'm not in the same church that my grandfather was in. They'll get mad because I left the denomination that my family's in. But Lord, all you care about is that I submit to your wisdom. Father, I just pray that every word that was shared today would sink into the hearts of every person. Maybe they're decisions that we got to make. You're not mad at us. You welcome us, Lord God. But I pray today that this word, Father, would cause us to search out the scriptures, to search out your wisdom in every situation. Let our lives reflect that we say there is a God, and that he's alive, he's living, and his name is Jesus. We give you all the glory. We give you all the honor today. In Jesus' name. Amen.